You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is Hammy, and you are listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars podcast. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. There's someone who still could. Look. The belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through and surrounds every living thing. Close your eyes. Feel it. The light. It's always been there. It will guide you. The saber. Take it. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jin Asa. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome back, everyone, to Arabelle. I am your host, Jedi Geek Girl. Welcome to our very special 2020 year-end episode. In this episode, we'll be talking about our top five stories from 2020, as well as our top five stories that we are looking forward to in Star Wars in 2021. Yes, we are aware that by the time you are hearing this episode, we will already be well into 2021. Nonetheless, we hope you will enjoy this look back and look forward. Our guest for this episode is one of my favorite guests to have on Ivy Bell. Someone who we love having on the show. From Twitter, the wonderful Hammy. Hi, thank you for having me on. That's so nice of you to say. I love coming on here too. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Relatively okay. I know that at the time of this recording, we are well underway 2021, so... We are not recording this before 2021 came into our lives. I gotta say, how are you hanging in there? Because we are only a little bit into 2021 and it's been a crazy year so far. Yeah, this first week has been wild. So it's kind of like 2020 part two. We're in like season two of 2020. Well, the good news is is 2021 has just started and we have a lot of time in front of us. So let's hope that 2021 is... uh, You know, this is not a sign of things to come. Definitely. I hope 2021 brings much better things. Without wasting any time, we're going to dive right into Star Wars. But before we get into our main topic for this episode, we have to ask, at the time of this recording, does anything Star Wars related have your attention? And if it does, what is it? No, but, and I'm sure your listeners probably already know that this past year, I haven't really been keeping up with much Star Wars. But I am engaging with Star Wars through What the Force, 
we've been putting out articles. Last year, we did every Tuesday and Thursday. And this year, we're switching to only Tuesday articles about Star Wars. So that's actually just been holding my attention, editing articles. And it's nice to get away from the rest of fandom and kind of celebrate people's opinions and views in a safe space, I guess you could say. So it's been nice, like editing those articles and doing that. So that's pretty much been my like contribution to the Star Wars fandom. I don't blame you one bit. In fact, I envy you a little bit because I know that the Star Wars fandom, no matter what your opinions are or where you come from, it's draining the heightened emotions and it's just would be nice to step away from it. But I'm so involved in it that it's hard for me to do that just because I like staying on top of everything. And I'm not only staying on top of everything, but I'm also playing catch up. So yeah, I wish I could do that. And I definitely envy you on that front. What have you been up to lately with Star Wars? For me, at the time of this recording, The High Republic has just dropped, and I've been obsessed with that. I am currently waiting for A Test of Courage and The Great Disaster Rescue, so I've read Light of the Jedi, but I'm waiting for those other two books. And while I'm waiting, I'm catching up on some junior novels. I have started the Jedi Apprentice series. That has been one of my goals this year is to read that series, as well as a bunch of other junior novel series that I wanted to read for a long time. And I also started the Boba Fett Junior Novel Series that were released back in the day. So I'm keeping busy as usual. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't read Light of the Jedi, but I was hoping to start it this weekend. And then I do have Claudia's book, which doesn't come out till February. So I'm probably going to end up reviewing that book. So I'm excited to read both of those and see what's going on with The High Republic. Moving on to our shotgun questions. You have already been on the show, and we're going to do something new with our shotgun questions starting with this episode. For returning guests, we are going to have them turn a table on me and ask me five shotgun-style questions. So, Hammy, whenever you are ready, fire those five questions away. First one, what is your current favorite Star Wars creature? Porks come to mind right away. Yeah, I love them too. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could have dinner tonight with one Star Wars character, who would it be? Dr. Aphra would be a lot of fun. I mean, she's my favorite Star Wars character, but Leia for the respect and the decency. So those two. I'll let you cheat and have both of them over for dinner. They would be so much fun. Um, okay. Uh, what is your current favorite Star Wars movie to rewatch? Solo. It's not my favorite Star Wars film. But I feel like I can rewatch it over and over again because it doesn't require the same investment that any other Star Wars film has. So Solo is like way down on the bottom of my favorite Star Wars film. But I feel like it's the most rewatchable because it stands on its own more than any other Star Wars film. And you can basically like do other things and come back to it. And I know for some of my listeners, it might be a little bit contradictory, but I think Solo would be. No, that actually totally makes sense. I love that movie. So, and it doesn't get enough credit. So, and it is really enjoyable. And like you said, you're not as emotionally invested in it. So, you can just have a good time while you're watching. Okay. My next question would be pick one Legends book and pick one canon book that you'd have to take on a deserted island. Lost Stars would be my canon book because it is rereadable. It is so freaking good and it's a decent size and it keeps your attention. For Legends, It's so hard to pick a book that isn't a trilogy, so I am going to have to go with Revan. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree about Lost Stars. Since I, and you know, I haven't actually read any Legends books. So if I read one, we'll do an episode together about it. But mine would be Lost Stars and The Last Jedi novelization. Those would probably be my picks. <laughs> okay. And then um, if you're going to Celebration, once this is all over in 2022, what are you most looking forward to? I am. I am looking forward to meeting and re-meeting a lot of the people in the community. I am craving some interaction with members of the community. We missed out on it in this year. And with the pandemic, it has been a little bit, I don't want to say draining, but it has been, you really feel it. And I feel like 2022 celebration, it's going to be so nice to see everybody. And even if I don't meet a lot of people, it'd be nice to meet a lot of the people who I interact with online. And hopefully if you're going to be there, you know, you, we haven't met. And some old friends I've met too, like the Sky Talkers. And, you know, we interact on the internet. We interact through listening to the podcast. But no matter how we feel about people on the internet or through consuming their media, it's one thing to know them that way. And it's a totally a different other through interacting with them. Like, I know that I can be a little bit spicy online in my opinions and my takes. But I would assume that if anybody would interact with me, you know, it's a totally different experience. And I welcome it because, uh, we did not have a lot of that in 2020. Totally agree with you. That's what I'm most excited about too. And yeah, I was supposed to go, you know, before obviously COVID happened. So I still have my ticket for 2022. And yeah, both of us, I'm so excited for us to meet in person and then to meet yeah everyone else that we talk to online. It's And it'll just be really nice to enjoy Star Wars in person together, kind of going to panels and just, yeah, getting to see everyone. I think uh, both in fandom and then obviously in real life, I think we're all craving, like you mentioned, the interaction (laughs) with other people. So, Without further ado, it is now time to dive into our main topic. Hello Rebels, Forever Fett here. This show is made possible through the generous donations of everyone who is a patron of iRebel. It is the pledges of those patrons and you, the listening audience, that makes iRebel work. If you'd like to find out more information about rewards you can get, as well as how you can play a part in iRebel, please check out patreon.com slash iRebelDestiny for more information. So check it out, and if you like what you see, become a rebel by becoming a patron of iRebel. Back to you, Jedi Geek Girl. Twenty twenty was a very quiet year in Star Wars. A lot of that has to do with the COVID pandemic, but also due to it being a very transitional period for Star Wars. With that being said, however, there was still a lot to enjoy. In this episode, we are going to pick and talk about five of those stories each that are our favorites from the crazy year that was 2020. Without further ado, we are going to dive in with our honorable mention. What is your honorable mention for 2020? So this is going to seem strange to everyone, but my honorable mention for 2020 is actually season one of The Mandalorian. Before, when the first season actually released in 2019, I was very deep into speculation for the sequel trilogy. So that's kind of where all of my attention was. So believe it or not, I actually didn't watch the first season until 2020 and well into 2020. I started the first season right before the second season started. So that would be my honorable mention. And so I really enjoyed season one. And I was really excited to meet the new characters and see where they take them from there. So that is my honorable mention, even though obviously the show is really well done and probably deserves more than an honorable mention. But I have other things to talk about. No, that is totally fair because I know that it did end in 2019, but 
due to my issues with the Rise of Skywalker, I didn't watch the season finale until 2020. So it kind of blends to me, but it's so close to 2020. It counts. It counts. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's when I interacted with it, right? So that, that's why I picked it. What was your honorable mention? It is funny that you mentioned Mandalorian season one. And I know this is going to surprise, well, not really surprise a lot of people, but I don't know, disappoint or some people might have some thoughts about this. But for me, my honorable mention is actually season two of The Mandalorian. <laughs> I kind of guessed that. <laughs> it's not even on my list. so <laughs> The reason why it is my honorable mention is this season hit some of the things I was missing from season one. Basically, having to do with connections to the prequel trilogy and being more free from the original trilogy and nostalgia, which is kind of strange because this season did have a lot of nostalgia and it did have a lot of pandering. And I don't want to talk about season two too much because we're planning to do an episode on it later this year. But it was a very mixed bag. The Mandalorian is a mixed bag ever since the beginning. But I feel like the Mandalorian... It just landed with me a lot better, at least towards the beginning of the season. Like, I absolutely love episode one of season two. It is my favorite episode. I love Cobb Band. I love just that story and the setting. And yeah, it would be a lot higher for a lot of other people. But for me, it, it is still a mixed bag. I am coming around on it. I mean, obviously with time and more seasons, hopefully that will fit better for me. But I don't think I can ever really put it as my number one on any list just because of my complex feelings on the show, the reason why it exists, and some of the fan reaction to it. Definitely understandable. Moving on to our top five list itself, what is your number five? So my number five is Jedi Temple Challenge that you can watch on YouTube, hosted by Ahmed Vest. And the reason for that is because it was kind of a breath of fresh air. The episodes, if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of a game show that Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar Binks in the prequel trilogy, he hosts this challenge with, um, it's not in canon, but it's a real life game show where kids compete and do little obstacle courses and puzzles and things like that. And so it was kind of a breath of fresh air with everything going on in 2020. It was during the summertime. I think the first episode was in June. And so it was just really fun and relaxing to watch. And I just appreciated that they brought him back that they brought Ahmed back into the fold of Star Wars. So that brought a lot of joy for me. I love this show so much, not only because Admin Best is back into Star Wars, but because it is very nostalgic for me due to Legends of the Hidden Temple, which for my generation was a game show on Nickelodeon that had pretty much kind of like the same setting, but it was more set in ancient Maya. I can't pronounce the word but like an ancient culture and it really captured my imagination. And I do think that it had some history part in it. Like it was a mixture between game show and then they had some like history in it. I'm not sure. And you really see that with Jedi Temple Challenge. And I love the show. It is such a good thing that it was there. And I'm so happy for Admit Best. Yeah, I used to love Legends of the Hidden Temple too. So that was my first thought as well when they announced it. And then when the episode started posting. If you haven't watched it, it's definitely a feel-good entertainment that will brighten up your day when you watch it. I am so happy that you were able to experience it because I think it's one of those cult shows that has like a cult following to it. But yeah. Yeah, I loved it. What was your number five? My number five is 
Chaos Rising, which is the first book in a new Thrawn trilogy, the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, and I was really looking forward to this book because learning more about the Chist culture and going outside of the Skywalker saga, or as I call it, the Palpatine saga, and get to learn more about the universe and just really dive into a culture that at least for me, it's new to me. I know that it was explored a little bit in Legends, but I haven't gotten that far in my Legends revisit slash exploration. So most of it is really new to me and it really got my attention and I love the characters. I love the lady who took care of the little Skywalker girl. I love the little Skywalker girl. I really love the characters around Thrawn. Obviously, with it being a prequel to the original, not the original, the new Thrawn trilogy, obviously there are some things that are fixed and character growth is a little bit more challenging with the prequel stories. I still love it. As always, I think when it comes to Canon Thrawn, the best thing about Canon Thrawn are the people around him. That's awesome. I actually, yeah, I haven't read any of the Thrawn books. I only know him from Rebels, and that's it. So it's definitely on my list to read soon. Moving on to our number four, what is your number four? So um, mine is kind of a combined thing, but it's basically all of the behind the scenes things that we got for The Rise of Skywalker. I think if your listeners have heard me on the podcast, they know that I wasn't very happy with The Rise of Skywalker, but I still enjoy all of the characters and I enjoy the actors. So I appreciated the documentary that we got with the Blu-ray, the Skywalker Legacy documentary, and I like the Art of The Rise of Skywalker concept art book. So all of those behind the scenes things, those would be my number four thing, because I still enjoy digging into all of that and kind of speculating. I think there's a lot of interesting things that if they ever do want to make an episode 10, they want to bring back Ben Solo, there are ways that they can do it. And there's a lot of interesting things in the concept art and behind the scenes. I also appreciate it with the behind the scenes. There were a few times where they talked about story ideas and things, and it kind of helped, at least for me. I mean, I haven't made peace with the movie yet. But it at least helped me a little bit to know that, okay, at least they were thinking of things that many of us as fans enjoyed and wanted from the sequel trilogy. And I hope in the future, whether they make an episode 10 or not, that people will still remember the sequel trilogy fondly. So I think it's hard for me to like let go of that love that I have for the trilogy. So that would be my number four. For me, it's kind of like the opposite. Obviously, I didn't read those books. I didn't watch the documentary, but... Obviously, I follow up to date with other podcasts who have read those books and did watch the documentary. And it makes it more, I don't want to use the word frustrating, but it doesn't make it easier for me with the film. Just because a lot of the logic behind the scenes just don't make a lot of sense and it's very contradictory. And it's very reinforcing of the flaws that I see with the film. It is nice to get a understanding of what the mindset was with that film. I get that. But for me, it just enhances the flaws more than, I don't want to say cover them up, but explain the flaws or explain the flaws with logical reasons. I, I don't know. It just leaves me a lot more baffling. And I just, I, I appreciate it. And I am thankful that for some people, it's really helped them or has reinforced the more positive thoughts on the film. But I, I don't know. I just... It's going to be a long time before I can really settle with that film, I guess. No, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I definitely do agree. I don't think it, um, it's not going to explain away anything from the movie for me. But I guess I kind of, it helps me confirm that things were kind of a mess, if that makes sense. Like, that is still frustrating. It makes me annoyed that, like, I wish they had just taken another year to finish the movie. 
so getting this behind the scenes information that oh okay they were flip-flopping on something like Ray's lineage multiple times during the production that isn't reassuring at all but it does help me kind of know that I'm not interpreting the movie wrong to think that it was kind of thrown together and not well thought out but I also understand like for a lot of people it's also genuinely still painful to kind of look at it to look at that kind of material but for me I kind of I still miss the sequel trilogy, so it's not too hard for me to still like take in all of the content. It just reinforces some of the issues and problems that you have after walking away from the film, like some of the logical points, some of the reasoning behind it, some of the, okay, we're putting this in, and like with the dagger, with that making not a lot of logical sense. I know it's Star Wars. I know you're not supposed to think logically, but the fact that it seemed like that was just put in there without any line of thought, you know, creates these illogical holes in logic. So I, I don't know. It just, I get it, but yeah. No, I understand. I definitely understand. What was your number four? My number four is another book because I love books and comics, and that would be Queen's Pearl. And the reason why it is my number four is because I love Padme. I love getting the story of Padme before episode two and Clone Wars because that is the majority of where her story is. And Queen's Pearl takes place right before she becomes queen and actually runs right into episode one. And it gives you a really good perspective of the situation. And it is a little bit more, I don't want to say, it is a young adult book, so it is a little bit more focused on young adults and the writing is a little bit I don't want to say as deep as adult novels but it's a little bit more character focused which is really nice and that kind of like turns some people off but it's really nice to hang out with not only Padme but all her handmaidens and just getting into the head of what it is like for Padme and her group of teenage girls and some of the problems that they have to deal with as well as the insight of what it is like to be royalty and what it's like to be in the position of coming into power and then not that long coming into power and having your planet being invaded and being underneath that force and what is that like for her as well as the characters because episode one you know Naboo gets invaded and then we leave Naboo and we go to Coruscant this book gives you a little bit of what it's like on Naboo when they are being occupied by the trade federation Definitely. That's really cool. I mean, I I love Padme. So I'm so excited that you included her book on the list. And I know for prequel fans, they've been waiting a long time to get Padme books. So it is really interesting because obviously Queen's Shadow takes place after this, but that book was released first. So there are things that happens to characters that you learn about in Queen's Shadow that you see in this book. So even though this book was released after Shadow, you still want to read this book first because even though you know what will happen to, I'm thinking of one character specifically, if you read Queen Shadow first, it would still be better to read Pearl first. That's interesting. Since I haven't read either of them yet, you're giving me good advice. <laughs> Moving on to our number three. What is your number three? So my number three is actually the rise of the Resistance ride that is at Galaxy's Edge. So before COVID happened, my very last final trip, it kind of lucked out was myself and a fellow Star Wars fan who I met online. Both of us, we went to Galaxy's Edge in February. I think it was the middle of February. And then pretty much a week or so after that, Florida went into lockdown. (laughs) So we kind of lucked out that we were able to actually go and experience Rise of the Resistance, the new ride that hadn't been open for most of last year. And it's really, 
it's probably one of the best rides that's at Walt Disney World. I know not everybody is able to go, but I live in Florida, so it's only a two hour drive for me. But if you're able to go at some point and you're interested, I think it's really worth going down just for the ride alone, especially if you're a sequel trilogy fan. I have heard a lot of good things about it. I definitely want to experience it because, as I said before, I want to consume, read, and experience everything having to do with canon. Like, it's really frustrating. Like, Vader Immortal, I can't play that right now because the cost of getting a VR is really expensive. And obviously, there was a VR experience where you could, like, go to a mall or something and you had a mission that you can experience. And the Rise of the Resistance falls into that category, but still... I would like to experience it. I hope someday I will be able to experience it. Hopefully, when I go to Celebration, I still plan on going to Galaxy's Edge. When I go to Star Wars Celebration, you know, take the day before or after to uh, really go and experience it. I'm looking forward to it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And uh, I also heard that not only is it really good and awesome and really captures your imagination for Star Wars, but just Disney in general. Yes, definitely. They use brand new technology. So my friends who are more casual Star Wars fans, they themselves also said it's probably one of the best rides. It's not in terms of like, you know, thrills. Like there are a couple of scary parts, but not really that, you know, it's not like a roller coaster, that kind of thing. But more in terms of imagination and imagineering that Disney does, they just really like knocked it out of the park. And definitely if you can try to go in without spoilers, there's multiple parts to the ride. So it's kind of nice to get surprised as things happen because you think you're done with the ride and you're not really done with those kinds of things. So definitely, I hope that you'll be able to go in 2022 during celebration. And hopefully when I do go, they don't have a breakdown. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is the case. You do definitely have to, like if you're going, advice for your listeners, but if you're going and planning a trip, obviously it's difficult this year, especially with COVID, but next year or even beyond, kind of do your research on and planning. Uh, They do boarding groups. So you're not guaranteed a chance to go on the ride. So just take all of that into consideration when you're planning your trip. But if you are able to go, it's an awesome experience. For my number three, I am going to have to go with the third series of Darth Vader comics from Marvel. And the reason why I'm going with this is because, not because I'm a huge Darth Vader fan. I love Darth Vader, don't get me wrong with it, but he's not like my favorite character. But because whenever I think that I have had enough with Darth Vader, They put out a story with him that just really captures my imagination and really captures my passion because his story obviously is so tied into the prequel trilogy that it draws me right in. Like with the other two Darth Vader comics from Marvel, they are so built upon the rock that is the prequel trilogy and is so intertwined with the prequel trilogy that it really draws me in because that is what I love about Star Wars. That is what I really am drawn to as a Star Wars fan, that I am automatically drawn to this character in this era that I am not the most passionate about, that I am not really crazy about. Like, I was not one of those people that back in the day before the prequel trilogy that really loved Vader. It wasn't until after we got his story with the prequel trilogy I don't like separating them because Anakin and Vader are just two sides of the same coin. But I was always drawn more to Anakin Skywalker, the person, more than Darth Vader, the machine. And these Darth Vader comics, especially his three series, not so much Target Vader or when he appears in other things. But when they really dive into his character, it draws me into it because 
it draws into my passion and my history and what I really love and enjoy about Star Wars. And it's so well done. And I really do appreciate it because it would be so easy. Legends had a little bit of this problem where when they focused on stories about Darth Vader, they, I don't want to say ignored the prequel trilogy, but they didn't really focus on what it's like to go through what he went through with the prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars and just tell a story of a B.A. villain character where with the Darth Vader comics, it seems like they really drive into his character thoughts and be like, you know, this Darth Vader is the Darth Vader that went through the prequel trilogy. It's not the Darth Vader that was the Vader before the prequel trilogy, if that makes any sense. No, it definitely does. I love that. And I totally agree with you 100% about the comics. And I think that it's something that I really love about the choice to... I know a lot of people were kind of hurt that Legends was decanonized, but one of the plus sides is that they're able to create content like this that incorporates the entire saga. So to me as well, when I'm reading a Vader comic, I see Anakin still. Like I can tell that is someone who has gone through everything that they did in the prequels. And so I really appreciate that. And it just adds depth of character. He's not just some killing machine. He's someone who had a family and lost it all. So I just really appreciate that. And I totally agree with you. And it's also so awesome, this particular series, because it opens with Sabe, and you go through Naboo, and you see the other handmaidens, and it is so soaked in prequel trilogy settings, characters, history, events, that it just feels so good in a time when I am surrounded by heavy original trilogy content, thirsty like I would be in a desert for a prequel trilogy setting, content themes, etc. I definitely agree with that. I feel the same way. <laughs> Moving on to our number two, what is your number two? My number two is the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special. I actually reviewed it for the What the Foresight, so you can go and read my full review where I kind of talk a little bit more in detail about my criticisms of the Lego Holiday Special. But in general, I was really excited to see the sequel trilogy characters again. And it was kind of, at least those parts were everything I kind of hoped The Rise of Skywalker would be, where Rose was included in part of the group. She has more lines and more screen time than she even did in The Rise of Skywalker. And I just really appreciated the group dynamic. I thought it was really sweet. Ray and Finn, their friendship and the moral of the, of the entire story. And I really loved that they included all of the saga content. You know, it wasn't just the original trilogy, but they included a lot of funny gags from the prequels. And then even Mandalorian and Baby Yoda show up for a little bit. I appreciated that Ray is pining after Ben. I thought that was really cute. So I really enjoyed the Lego Holiday Special. I know my friend's kids really enjoy it as well. So I think it's something that a lot of people can find joy in. So that's why it's my number two. My favorite part of that special was the three Kenobis. Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved I loved on Tatooine too when older Han and young Han see each other too. It was just so hilarious. So I thought it was really cute and creative and just kind of what you expect from Lego. That humor and not taking itself too seriously. It was just, it was really like the namesake special to have that over the holidays. For me, it was a little bit more painful to watch just because it was just a lot of reminders of the things that I didn't really appreciate of The Rise of Skywalker. And I really struggle with Force-sensitive Finn just because I don't think his character needs it, but that is a different story for a different time. And it just enhances a lot of the issues that I had with Tross. And it was just like a reminder of the wound 
that was The Rise of Skywalker for me. Having said that, there was a lot of cute bits in it. I really did appreciate, like, the prequel trilogy stuff. I love the mess that is Lego, the humor. I really do appreciate that. But just a lot of the things that came out of Trash that is in this, like, raised yellow lightsaber. It's just a reminder of that painful Tatooine scene. That's just part of the trauma that I have to deal with with Tross and that it's just not me. It's just, it doesn't mean it's not entertaining. You know, I don't hate it, but it's just, I, I don't know. I just, there's still a lot that I'm dealing with. And I appreciate that you really did enjoy it because we need more people that really enjoy things that some of us still struggle with. Oh yeah. And I definitely had criticisms and I, I actually called it, um, like, cause they don't really do much beyond what we've seen. Right. And it's not, you know, you can't expect more from the Lego side of Lucasfilm. Like it has to be the actual story is part of Lucasfilm that moves into the future past the sequel trilogy. But I did have criticism about, it just feels very safe. Everything about what they're doing with Star Wars kind of feels safe to me. And so I wish they would take more risks. Obviously it's not on the shoulders of the Lego holiday special to deliver that. But I definitely felt everything that you felt. They're, they're, with everything that they released, there's this underlying pain from The Rise of Skywalker that it's hard to shake. I don't know. It just it feels weird that Ray and Luke had so much interaction as well in the Lego Holiday Special. It just felt very... I just never saw Ray as having to be worshipping Luke, kind of. And that they've done that a lot since The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm not sure if that says more about the creators who are probably that kind of fan who feel that Luke deserves that kind of accolade and praise instead of focusing on the new character. So I definitely understand where all of your feelings are coming from. And I don't, and you're definitely not alone in feeling that. But like you mentioned, the jokes and everything are really cute and funny. And I, of course, appreciated having sequel trilogy content. It's similar to the prequels. It feels kind of like we're in a drought. And I understand because the trilogy is over. So maybe we'll have a sequel trilogy renaissance in five to 10 years. But right now, it just kind of feels like they're ignoring everything from the sequel trilogy. So it kind of just makes me sad. (laughs) One of the other things that I don't want to spend the whole time, you know, airing my frustrations is the recontextualizing of Luke's and Rey relationship. If you watch The Last Jedi, if you pay attention to The Last Jedi, the relationship between Rey and Luke, it's not a typical relationship. And it seems like a lot of the stuff was starting with Tross and afterwards they try to recontextualize it. And, you know, that's not a what we see on screen. Obviously, there's room to play around with that. Like, they have messed around with Luke and Yoda and even Luke's and Obi-Wan relationship outside of what we see on screen. But what we see on screen, that is not a very, I don't want to use the word not a healthy relationship, but that is not somebody... I don't know if I would call somebody that was like Luke to me, you know, like have that passion as a mentorship. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's really frustrating because I get the relationship. Obviously, Luke is like a mentor to Ray, but it's not really a normal relationship between the two that they try to portray after Tross and all the stuff they're trying to portray with it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want to do the emotional legwork. It's not even about Ben. But no one talked about it. No one talked about the fact that Luke pulled a saber on Ben. So the fact that none of that is dealt with, and Ray is, of course, involved in all of that because she has faith in Ben being a good person, it just kind of is all left unresolved with the family. It kind of feels disingenuous, I think, to our side of fandom, this relationship. And even the relationship with Ray and Leia feels made up to me, kind of, that we're just supposed to buy into it. But we're supposed to ignore that none of them reached out to their own family member <laughs> at all. And it's not like they need to be pitted against each other. We obviously like Ray and Ben together because they're in balance for each other and they're able to learn from each other. 
but it just does feel kind of like they're pushing Ray to be something without actually putting in the emotional work or creative work to get there. But anyway, sorry not to go off on a rant. <laughs> For my number two, I am going to cheat just like I did with my last list, and I am going to pick everything to do with Dr. Afra, and that includes her second series of comics as well as the audio drama. I love Dr. Afra. I love the setting. The comic series is focused on her story after the Empire Strikes Back. It's new characters. It's a new setting. It's a different context. And as always, I'm drawn into it. And of course, with her audio drama, you have the story recapped from Darth Vader from her perspective. So there's a little bit of unreliable narrator going on. And you also got to see more of her relationship with Sana. I just love Dr. Afra so much. I hope that they do another audio drama. And I'm really loving her comic series. Obviously, due to COVID, her comic series isn't as far along as it would be at this point in time without COVID. I think it's on issue 7 or 8 or something like that. So it is still in the first arc. So some people might say it's too soon. But, you know, I, I just love her. To, and she will always be on my list because she cannot do any wrong in her story. Well, she does do wrong, but I mean, her stories cannot do any wrong for me. Yeah, I love that. I love your pick. And yeah, that's the one downside as we're going through this list of our top five from 2020, that so many things got delayed or pushed back or a few things even got canceled because of COVID. And of course, that's understandable. So I'm glad that we at least got the drama and that we got some of the comics at least. So I hope for more Afro content in the future as well. And that moves us into our number one. And I have a feeling for our listeners, we do not share a list ahead of time, but I got a feeling we have the same number one. Really? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a surprise. Okay, uh, my number one, I'm excited to hear yours. My number one is the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, issues two through four released in 2020. And I just love everything that Charles Sewell does with Star Wars. So I was excited to see what he did with the Rise of Kylo Ren. It felt not that many of us who are Kylo Ren fans needed it, but it felt like validation about how we interpret his character. And it felt like someone finally was admitting that everything that we interpreted in the story is actually what is in canon. <laughs> uh, so I appreciated that. But then also just from a creative perspective, it was nice to see him and to see his journey. It was, of course, really painful after the rise of Skywalker, but I still appreciated that they gave him a run of comics. So that was my number one. So I totally forgot that that happened this year. <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't think that would be your number one. I knew it was going to be mine, but I didn't think it would be yours, just based on how we know each other. <laughs> and the reason why I forgot is because it was right after The Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, the first issue came out before The Rise of Skywalker, and I really do love the comic. I really enjoy it, but, but, but. But that first reading of the comic is tainted by The Rise of Skywalker. Just like watching the season finale of The Mandalorian, it was very, I don't want to say hollow experience, but it was very hard for me, especially having to do with the character that I absolutely love and how he was treated in The Rise of Skywalker. So a lot of that was blacked out for me, and I think my experience of the story was, a little, was tainted. And it was really hard for me to really ramp up in my excitement. You know, obviously I really did enjoy it, but I did not like the Palpatine and I'm going to stop ranting here because I'm sure some people might turn us off here. But, you know, that last issue, especially showing Palpatine, is like I just want to read the story and pretend like trust did not exist and just revel in it because it's a lot easier for me to love him in the context of trust not happening. Obviously, there are some certain points that happen in The Rise of Skywalker that I really do appreciate, but 
Yeah, it was just, I totally forgot about it because for those two months after the Rise of Skywalker, it was like, I was traumatized and it was like a huge blackout and I totally forgot about that. No, that's okay. I definitely understand and I feel the same way. (laughs) I mean, you know, I was very much in shock for months after the Rise of Skywalker. I think the reason I'm able to look positively back on the comics, because I do agree, like the Palpatine stuff, all of that is kind of, I'm not very happy with it either. But I am hopeful about like the future with Ben and with Bray and the rest of the sequel trilogy characters. So I mean, one of my favorite moments in the comics is when it's really sad to look at it. It's very tragic and sad because we obviously know how Ben's story ends. But when he falls to the dark side, Ray senses him. And so that confirmation that these two are connected beyond everything else in the story I just kind of cling to that and hope for better storytelling in the future. So that's why I did it. But I'm really curious now to see what your number one is. I bet I forgot something, something huge. (laughs) Number one is after the Mandalorian, the number one thing for Star Wars in 2020 that was not delayed because obviously the High Republic was originally supposed to come out in 2020. And that would be the return of the Clone Wars for season seven. Oh, of course. Yeah, I knew that would be yours. I love all 12 of those episodes. Those three arcs are so different in what they do. The Siege of Mandalore is one of the best stories in all of Star Wars. And The Jedi Apprentice is one of my favorite episodes of all time. That episode, for those who do not know, is centered around the conflict between Ahsoka and Maul. Including a scene that really captures your imagination and really draws you in and it's one of the best shot in all of Star Wars, and that is when Maul offers his hand to Ahsoka, very much like Kylo does to Rey in The Last Jedi. And when that scene happens, the glass blows out behind them, and it rotates, the camera rotates. And I wish they would have gone down the path a little bit more, but one of my favorite things is Ahsoka says yes. I love that. And, you know, for me, it was almost a similar reason. I think we just deal with our pain in different ways. So for me, what ends up happening is I wallow in it. So I end up wallowing in the sequel trilogy content. So that's why Rise of Kylo Ren was my number one, because I was just wallowing in the pain. Whereas the other content, even though, you know, Clone Wars is pretty much my favorite show of the animated shows, that's it's my favorite. And I spend a lot of time, that's how we became friends was rewatching the series. And so it's one of my favorite things about Star Wars. But it was actually, it's almost too painful for me to watch stuff that's not sequel trilogy because I feel like everyone else gets happiness. <laughs> not happiness, but the characters get the time that they deserve and the story that they deserve. And so it's probably a lot of bitterness on my part, but it feels like, why couldn't we have that with the sequel trilogy? So for me, I think we just react to our pain in different ways. <laughs> so that's so funny. And yeah, I, I mean, I loved and Miss Ahsoka, so I was excited for the final season. That is very interesting that you bring that up. I think it has a lot to do with uh, psychology and how we handle situations that cause us trauma and pain. Because for me, after I made the decision to come back to Star Wars a month and a half-ish after Trust, what I really latched on to were things that were different and things I enjoyed more that were absent of things that I loved before the trauma, if that makes any sense that was the source of it like I was really drawn to Legend and the Clone Wars was you know it's the prequel trilogy yeah I love the Clone Wars at the time Ahsoka was my favorite character that's a different story for a different time different episode you know I still love Ahsoka I love that era of Ahsoka so freaking much and the story it was a more of an escape and I'm not gonna sit here and have a psychology section about uh, different ways that we dealt with trust 
for those of us who did not like Trost, obviously there are people there who enjoyed it and that's good for them. But for us personally, it's really interesting the different ways. And you make a very good point there. And I really did enjoy all 12 of those episodes, all 12 of them, even the Bad Batch and the middle things. I really enjoyed them because, uh, as I said before, they offered different stories. Obviously, the Bad Batch was more military and you had the clones. And obviously, it was a pilot for the Bad Batch show, which I'm I have high hopes for, and it was more driven towards people who like the clones and more action-based. And then you had a character story with Ahsoka that really brought things down and slowed things down and really explored Ahsoka's story after she walked away from the temple and really caught up to her. And some people might find it a little bit boring, but I really loved her character study and the relationship she had with the sisters. And yeah, and then you had the explosive story that was like, amazing which was the siege of Mandalore, which was built up for years ever since the panel talked about it in 2016 and it was just what a ride and you had order 66 there was a lot of emotions you had rex and ahsoka you know it's just like the siege of Mandalore is one of those stories that every single star wars fan really loved those people who loved the sisters arc and the people who did not love the thing, you know, people who love the original trilogy and people who, you know, don't like it. it everybody loves Siege of Mandalore. And it was one of those rare experiences where I, as a Star Wars fan, is like, you know, I can't have any issues with this. And everybody really did enjoy it. And yeah, it just, I, I just loved it so much. That's awesome. I'm really happy. And I'm honestly glad that you were able to find that after, like that it released so soon after. I mean, it was, I guess it was a couple of months after Tross, but I was really happy that it was good timing for it to release. And as prequel and Clone Wars fans have been waiting for so long, I think it was probably like a wonderful treat. So yeah, it's cool that we both dealt with it in different ways. Um, But yeah, I mean, 2020 was a crazy year, but I'm glad that we were able to discuss our favorite things about it related to Star Wars, at least. That is the perfect note to end a top five of 2020 and the perfect way to move into what we are looking forward to most in this year of Star Wars 2021. Starting with your honorable mention, what is your honorable mention for 2021? So my honorable mention is actually Fandom Works. As we've mentioned multiple times during this recording, we both had our issues with the end of the Skywalker saga. So I've really found a lot of joy in fandom works and fan fiction and in fan art. So I'm just really excited. This is my honorable mention for 2021. I know a lot of the fandom are going to be creating their own comics and their own. There's a few people who are doing sequel trilogy animated shorts and things. So I'm excited and looking forward to all of the fandom content that's going to be created this year. For me, my honorable mention is another thing that some people might go, what? How is this so far down for you? That would be the Boba Fett series. The reason why it is an honorable mention and not higher and or even lower or not even on my list is because Boba Fett is a character that I am not interested in. I wasn't really interested in. I thought he was overhyped. I was a fan of them going a different direction with this character, you know, than what we got in Legends. And I thought they set up the plate for him to be really interesting in the second season of The Mandalorian. But they need to do more for me to really come around on him. I really enjoy him outside of the armor. And basically, I want to dive into more of the character of Boba Fett. Like, if you're going to bring him back, you're going to have to do more than make him a badass for me to really fall in love and really love him. And I want to give them a chance with the character. Like, I understand 
that a lot of people who weren't fan of Boba Fett really fell in love with him because he was a badass in episode 14. I get that. But for me, what really drew me into his character in episode 14 was him outside of the armor and his human self. I would like to see more of that. So I am not a huge Boba Fett fan. I am not a fan of his yet, but I want to give them a chance to really dive into his character and background. And if they can do that, if they can really dive into his history, because his character is so rich because of his history. You know, his face was on an army. He's a clone. His his father died at a young age. He was raised by other bounty hunters. I am interested in the human Boba Fett, not the Boba Fett of Legends. Both Legends, aka the EU, but Legends as in the BA bounty hunter that is the best in the galaxy. For for me, I want want more of the human side of the Boba Fett. And that is why it's an honorable mention, because just like the Mandalorian, it's a complex thing for me. That's a great perspective. Similarly, I'm since I'm a newer fan, I don't have a lot of nostalgia f- for anything really in Star Wars. So I am not the biggest Boba Fett fan. And honestly, none of the Disney Plus things are on my looking forward to list. So <laughs> um, that kind of shows you that like the older characters don't really have much of a draw for me. So I'm looking forward to the newer things. But I am excited, like you mentioned. I do like that we got to see young Boba or as like you referenced human boba in the clone wars and i really appreciated that so i would love it if we could see that version of him in his own show and it's not yeah like you mentioned just the bounty hunter greatest fighter in the galaxy aspect of him moving on to our number five what is your number five so my number five because i haven't actually started reading the high republic is all of the high republic but mainly i'm excited to read claudia gray's book which releases in february into the dark I've loved every single book by Claudia Gray, so not to put pressure on her, but it would be, I would be very much surprised to not enjoy this book as well. So I'm excited to actually get into the High Republic. So that's my number five. I don't want to say any more on that because, spoiler alert, we will talk more about that later. But for me, my number five is, I know that you brought up that you don't have any of the investor calls announcement. I do. My number five would be the Vision series. The Star Wars Vision show coming to Disney Plus later this year, probably around the summertime, it's going to be a series of anime episodes focused on Star Wars from a different perspective. We don't know if they're going to be original stories or if they're going to be different interpretations, but we do know that it's going to be through a different lens from a Eastern perspective with anime, and that really sparks a lot of curiosity with me. I'm very curious to see what they do with the show and I don't know that is my number five because spoiler I'm going to throw a lot of things underneath one category I should have specified I more meant the live action Disney plus but yes I am excited for visions you and me both love all of the animated things that come out of Star Wars so I am excited for that as well moving on to our number four what is your number four so I actually didn't know about this until the last week or so but they're releasing the it's called the tiny book of the Jedi and the tiny book of the Sith by S.T. Bende. It's releasing in March, and they haven't given us many details about it, but it reminds me of the Legends books, The Jedi Path and The Book of the Sith, that basically talked about the philosophies of the Jedi and the Sith and different force powers that they both use or reference or teach. One good example is, I think, The Jedi Path mentions, Ryan Johnson took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter, but from The Jedi Path, Luke showing up on Kray as a force projection was actually mentioned in The Jedi Path books, but of course those are from Legends. 
So I'm excited to get this canon version of both of those books because I'm curious to see what they pull from Legends. As you probably can tell from me talking about it, I'm really into the speculating of what is coming with the future and with the sequel trilogy and all of that. So I'm excited to see what force powers they have in there. I wonder if they're going to mention the dyad. That would be really cool if they mentioned it in either of the books. So that's my number four. I saw those books. They're just too small for me. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're tiny. They're small. I mean, they're literally called the tiny books. And even in Legends, I have them and they're very skinny and small too. But I am, I'm just excited to look at more Force stuff. For me, my number four is going to surprise some people, just given some of the things I brought up early in this episode. But my number four is actually going to be the Mandalorian novel. And I'm sure some people are probably going to wonder why that is my number four when Mandalorian is such a thing that is so complex and complicated for me. And the reason why it is my number four is I love the books and the comics. They have more freedom. They explore things a lot better. It is more imaginative and it has more risk-taking than other forms of Star Wars. So I love the books and I'm really looking forward to this and I'm wondering what direction they will go into and what they will explore. I am sure no matter what direction they go in, if it is in relation to Moff Gideon or the history of Din Djarin himself, or even about Boba Fett survival, no matter what the story is or what it is focused on, I am sure I will really enjoy it because I love the books and the comics, and it just it's a different way of telling Star Wars stories that I appreciate a lot more than the visual media of Star Wars because you don't have to appeal to as wide of an audience like with the Mandalorian TV show and the movies, you have a lot of money in play. You have a lot of promotion. You have a lot of things that are decided for mass appeal that aren't usually the best decision. We saw that with Tross when it comes to storytelling that you can avoid in books and comics. And that is why I'm really optimistic about the book is because I feel like they can really do some character focus and really go a direction that they couldn't go with, at least in the first season of the Mandalorian. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's awesome. And yeah, I think for me too, since I haven't connected as deeply with The Mandalorian, I think that might be something good for me to check out too. Because I, yeah, I agree with you totally that the books and the comics are just able to do more character work than the shows and the movies. Moving into our number three, what is your number three? So my number three is actually finding out more about the future movies that are coming up. I'm really excited to see what Taika's movie's about. I think all we got was that one, the really funky looking logo and some kind of explosion in the stars. I think those were the only two images that we received so far. Patty Jenkins, I'm excited for her movie, even though fighter pilots aren't really my thing. But I appreciate in one of her interviews after they did the announcement, she mentioned that she really loves the drama and the character work that she's going to put in. So that kind of tells me that she might be doing a little bit more than just the action part of being a fighter pilot. So I'm excited to see what movies have in store for Star Wars. And so I hope we'll, if not, I doubt we'll get, you know, like a trailer or anything like that, but at least some more details this year would be really cool. Now, I was not in a Star Wars fandom in the lead up of The Force Awakens. So I don't know what that timetable was like. It wasn't until 2016 where I really drove into the fandom. Obviously, I saw The Force Awakens really nice, but I am not aware of the timetable. I do not know what it was like in the lead up of that film, so I don't know when details came out. I'm thinking here, I originally was going to ask you, do you really think we were going to get any film detail in 2021? Because I don't see any real detail to 2022. 
but I was thinking that maybe we might get casting announcements or unofficial casting announcements. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, because I think obviously their hope probably is to save all of the details until celebration in 2022. But I was thinking either unofficially or we could kind of get more ideas about which is going to go first because we don't really have a timeline yet. I'm thinking maybe that will probably also be a celebration announcement, which movie will be first, because that will be in 2023, the next Star Wars movie. But maybe we'll get some kind of unofficial news about which movie it's going to be. And I think it'll be Taika. I doubt it'll be Patty Jenkins, but it could also be the Kevin Feige movie that's still happening which I kind of am not looking forward to. So I hope it's the Tycho one that's coming out in 2023. It was actually confirmed during the Investor Day announcement that Patty Jenkins' Vogue Squadron is coming first in 2023. Oh, did they? Okay, okay. Sorry about that. I, to- I totally missed that. I didn't know they confirmed it. No, all good. All good. No way. Um, so that leads me to believe that Taika is going to be the 2025 because it seems like they're already bouncing around some ideas. And the 2027 is going to be Feige's film. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense that those dates are confirmed and they're lined up. And that doesn't mean we won't get the Ryan Johnson trilogy in May in 2024, 2026, and 2028. I think that the Ryan Johnson films, a little off topic here, are coming. But because of the pandemic and Ryan Johnson does work slow, and you just cannot write a trilogy. Unlike the sequel trilogy, he is overseeing it all. That takes some time. Just Lucas said that a trilogy takes like 10 years to make. That's six years from the release. So that's four years of production. It's just, if you do the math, it makes a lot of sense that we don't have a lot of details with Ryan Johnson. And it makes a lot of sense that those three dates that were announced were not the Ryan Johnson thing just because of where they were at in the time. So of the films that we know, as I said, Rose Quadrant, 2023, Taika Bakiti, 2025, Feige, 27, makes a lot of sense. And Ryan Johnson Trilogy, I'm sure they're trying to figure out some details. They don't want to put dates on the calendar and box Ryan Johnson in just because they might have learned their lesson a little bit. They don't want to commit to some dates and try to box his story in. Yeah, you sound so hopeful and I, I'm going to try and keep my hope alive too. But I would love that, like if he was alternating between them and he agreed, he does take a while. I think even with The Last Jedi, I mean, he was writing and planning while The Force Awakens was filming. So that was at least like two to three years of prep that he was doing just for The Last Jedi. So to do his own trilogy, I'm sure he would need just as much time. And we know for a fact that he's writing Knives Out 2 right now. So that leaves me very hopeful. So yeah, if we, I mean, if we got a crumb of truth about the Ryan Johnson trilogy in 2021, that would be awesome too. But um, I'm not sure if they've said whether they're going to do any kind of convention or um, they usually have like a Disney thing over the summer. I'm not sure if we're going to get that, but you leave me very hopeful for the future of movies at least. (laughs) For me, I give two more years for Ryan Johnson trilogy information just because it was just announced in 2017. Like I said, it's a trilogy. It's three films that you're trying to do a story. So I give them the benefit of the doubt because it's only been three years. I think in this day of instant gratification, people have gotten a little bit impatient. So I, I give him two more years. And as I said, 2020 kind of like was a year that never really was. Right. We missed one whole year of all of our lives. <laughs> exactly. So I am optimistic. If it doesn't happen... I think it's going to be his decision not to do it just because he might want to do other things. And he doesn't seem like a person that was really affected by the negative fandom side of coming out of The Last Jedi. So I think if it doesn't happen, it will be his decision. Yes, I agree with that too. 
So what was your number three looking forward to in 2021? My number three is the sequel to Chaos Rising, and that would be the second book in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, Greater Good. And we do not know a lot about it, but I'm looking forward to see where the story goes next. The first book, if you read it, I don't want to spoil it for some of the listeners who don't know, it gives a really good idea of when it takes place because it interacts with something that we know before in the history of Star Wars. And this book comes after that time. And we know that it's probably leading up to his mission in the first Thrawn book. And it's really interesting to see where they will go. And I'm really interested in and I I can't wait. That's exciting. Do you know when the last one will come out? They do them yearly. Oh, okay. 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 That's cool. So the third book should come out in 2022. I think 2022 is going to be a big year. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think 2023 is probably going to be a bigger year. Because of the movie. And I think Kenobi comes out in 2023. Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course. So moving on to our number two, what is your number two? My number two is actually, I'm hoping, depending on COVID and how everything goes, I hope I can visit Galaxy's Edge one more time at the end of the year. Like I mentioned, I live in Florida, so it's not too much of a drive for me. My friends and I were already planning a trip before COVID happened in March, and that got canceled. So if we're all able to get the vaccine, this is being very overly optimistic. But if we're able to get the vaccine and we all feel comfortable, I would love to plan a trip down to Galaxy's Edge again at the end of the year. Yeah, for me, as I said, that is not going to happen until the next year. And I want to talk a little bit more about Galaxy's Edge. I hope that when I go to Galaxy's Edge, I can get together in a group. We could talk about it more when it gets closer and obviously when we're not recording. But it would be nice to get together with a group of people from the Star Wars community to make the trip to Galaxy's Edge when they have it in California in 2022, just because it would be so much nicer just to experience it with other people and not so much alone. I know that there are some people who work there that are in the fandom, obviously, who could probably help us, you know, get some in. And yeah, it'd be nice to get together with like you and Marie Claire and some other people and maybe just go and experience it. I know that the Skywalking Through Neverland people are local and they'll probably have something get together, but Yeah, it would be definitely nice to talk to some people and go to as a group because it is one of those things that, yeah, you can experience it alone, but there's going to be a lot of people who go to Celebration that will not be, you know, they won't have their partner, they won't have their children, they will be going alone. It'd be nice to go as a group, so. Yeah, definitely. For me, that will be something I'm looking forward to next year, not this year. Yeah, no, definitely. And I hope maybe the convention people themselves maybe will come up with a couple of options for everybody too. So I would definitely love to go in California as well, because I've never been actually to Disneyland there. For me, my number two is the Bad Batch. And that is really surprising for me, because when the Bad Batch was first announced, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, why do we need this? Because it seems like ever since Tross, and I would argue a little bit before Tross, that Star Wars is going a direction that I am not a fan of. And it's trying to appeal to people that I don't think should be appealed to. And I thought Bad Batch is going to be one of those series. And obviously, I haven't watched it yet. I do not know much about it. So it's not a dramatic shift for me. But when I saw the trailer, that really sold me on it. Obviously, it looks beautiful. But obviously, that's not what sold me on this series itself. But the fact that it's going to be so tied into Revenge of the Sith and that first year after Revenge of the Sith, it really drew me in. And the moment, and I can pinpoint it, that it really clicked, is when you hear Palpatine's speech from Revenge of the Sith about declaring the first ever galactic empire 
it really just like, okay, it really struck a nostalgic chord for me. It's like, okay, I'm here because not only are we getting that story after Revenge of the Sith, but we're intertwining, like, if not exactly during Revenge of the Sith, but moments after. And I think there's going to be a lot of world building in there because we see in the Clone Wars, and I'm getting a little bit too excited for this, we see in the Clone Wars that the clones have personality. They have different types of armor. They have like, you can identify one clone for another because they have a sense of personality. However, you see in the Bad Batch, they lost that. And we know that they get this continued. And so far, that story has not been told in canon. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because we haven't had that story. And there also are so many questions. Like, the Bad Batch are clones, so they must have the chip. If they don't have the chip, why don't they have the chip? There's just so many things that just gets me excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, obviously, I'm, I was a little bit hesitant as well with the Bad Batch. But I think, like you mentioned, connecting it to Revenge of the Sith, and the prequels in general, and the concepts that are discussed about it with the clones and with the politics of being stuck in that era as the Empire is being established. I think that adds a lot of weight to the story. And it's not, yeah, so I think it adds a lot of weight to the story. So that's cool. I mean, we saw bits and pieces of it in the second Darth Vader series. But that was more focused on Vader and wasn't so much about the world around him, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully they will explore that. And I think it is a good story for them to tell because the clones are important. Yes, they are clones. And we can argue theology about clones all day. Like what value do they have in the larger picture? But they are important characters. And before the Clone Wars show, with just the prequel trilogy they're just there and the clone was built up upon them and you have a whole generation of star wars fans a couple generations of star wars fans that you know the clones are important they're not for a lack of a better word droids or you know they have value they're the people you know yeah they're clones but they are people they have personality they have value they have merit and it would be interesting to have that story told because we know what happens to them but we don't know what happens to them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be really interesting and cool. I think it's something that, obviously, as prequel fans, we both are excited for. Without further ado, that will bring us to our number one that we are looking forward to in 2021. What is your number one? So I hope it'll still happen. With everything with COVID, things have been delayed like crazy. But I hope that we'll finally get the LEGO Star Wars Skywalker Saga game. Obviously, we've already talked about it ad nauseum about how we feel about Trots, but I would love to experience, I love the Lego games in general. I love the Harry Potter one. So I would love to get the Skywalker Saga game. It's really fun. And I think it would make 2021 a lot happier for me. (laughs) I love the Lego Star Wars video games. They have a good place in my heart. I love them. And I'm really looking forward to this game. The only problem is that I don't have a lot of time to play video games. Especially since I just bought Animal Crossing, but I can listen to things while I do Animal Crossing. I'm not going to be able to really listen to podcasts when I play this game, and it's going to be a long game. They already said that there's going to be a lot of stuff to do, so we'll see where I am at that point in time. I am looking forward to it, but I'm worried that I won't have time to play it because I still have Star Wars Squadron sitting on my shelf, sealed, that I have not played yet. Well, you know, what's funny because I'm a newer fan. I've never played a Star Wars video game. So this would actually like the Lego one would be my first one. Maybe I should like live stream it or something. <laughs> I would actually recommend going back and playing the originals. 
uh, the original like Lego Star Wars games. Yeah, I, I mean, they have them for all of the movies up until Force Awakens, right? So there's Lego Star Wars 1, which is the prequel trilogy, which came out in 2005. Then you had Lego Star Wars 2, which was the original trilogy, which came out in 2006. And then you had the Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, which packaged Lego Star Wars 1 and 2. And then you had Lego Star Wars 3, which is the Clone Wars, which they focused on the first season of the Clone Wars. I haven't played it. That's another one I need to play, but I haven't gotten around to it. And then, of course, you had Lego The Force Awakens, which is a standalone game. And, of course, the upcoming LEGO Star Wars video game is going to be a whole new, brand new game that has nothing from those games, so it's going to be a different experience. But, having said that, those first two Star Wars LEGO video games are classic. They don't have voice clips, so it's a lot of body humor, it's a lot of gags and stuff, and it's such a classic. I do realize that it was a different time. It's like, that's almost 15 years ago, so... It might not age well for some people. It might be a little bit simplistic compared to other video games, but it's just such a good experience that I recommend those who haven't had those experiences to try those games and play them because they sold really, really well. Those were the first LEGO video games that were based on IP. Without those video games, LEGO Star Wars 1 and 2, you wouldn't have LEGO Indiana Jones. You wouldn't have LEGO Marvel. You wouldn't have LEGO Harry Potter. There was a couple of original Lego video games, like one that was kind of like a Grand Theft Auto Lego thing. But no, I was really into it. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. If you have Steam, you can pick them up on Steam. But yeah, Lego Star Wars 1 and 2, and they aren't as long. So you should be able to pick them up, play, and beat both of them, unless you want to go for 100% and still have time left over. So That's awesome. No, I'll definitely pick them up because I feel like that's less emotional stakes for me to to get invested and back into other Star Wars content. Yeah, because they had the one standalone for Force Awakens, it kind of, obviously I'm biased, but I'm really super excited to see more of the sequel trilogy stuff. And of course, I just want, you know, I wanted, I was hoping that they would do a one for The Last Jedi. So I can't wait to like, you know, hopefully we'll get the throne room scene and all of that from The Last Jedi. So yay, I'm excited. So what is your number one that you're looking forward to in 2021? My number one shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, That would be the High Republic. Yes, at the time of this recording, the High Republic is already here, but it is not one particular thing that is from the High Republic era, but all of it. All the short stories upcoming, all the books coming up, the books that are yet to be released, even if this podcast episode is released in the summer, which it shouldn't be, but if it was, you still have the High Republic things coming. Like, 2021 is going to be the year of the High Republic, and I am so excited because, as I said before, the books and the comics are really what draws me into Star Wars, and I really love and I really appreciate it because you can take more risks, you can dive more into character study, character personality, you can explore more things, you are not limited by trying to appeal to a certain audience or technology. It's more diverse. It's more diverse storytelling. It's just, yeah, I just love the books and comics and the High Republic is right up my alley. And yes, 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 it's not the same thing as the Old Republic, but there's a lot of the same recipes in it that has a lot of the things that I mentioned that you are going to have Star Wars fans who are going to be the High Republic fans that echo the Old Republic fans. I mean, obviously it's not the same thing and we will see where we're at. It might not be as big, But 
it creates a new era in Star Wars that is separate from what we know that people can cling on to without any emotional baggage or investment from the 70 years time span that we're so familiar with in the Skywalker Palpatine saga. Yeah, I think one of our friends, Manny on Twitter, he said it in a much funnier way. But with the High Republic releasing, he kind of felt like it felt like the official end of the sequel trilogy era, that we're going into a new phase. But it's also a good thing, too, because like you said, I think people can, there will now be High Republic fans, you know, so it's just a new way for people to get into Star Wars. And like you said, it's not connected to everything else directly. So it kind of has that freedom to be anything it wants to be. So yeah, I mean, it was on my honorable mention list, but I'm really excited as well to dive into the High Republic. It is also really nice because it is much needed because one of the things that made Star Wars under Lucas so great, in my opinion, was you had different eras. Like if you're an original trilogy fan, you had the original trilogy stories and characters and you had stories that continued the stories and you had different eras based on the continuation. Or you could dive into the prequel trilogy era, the Clone Wars. You could also go into a different direction with the Old Republic. There was options with Star Wars. And with the sequel trilogy era, you did not have that. You just had the sequel trilogy era um, in, in the Disney era. Obviously, you had the original trilogy and you had the prequel trilogy in the Disney era, but specifically stuff created in the Disney era, you only really had the sequel trilogy era. And it wasn't until The Mandalorian where you had something with The Mandalorian and The High Republic where you had different things. That, like, you're going to have people who are fans of The Mandalorian that are just going to be of that era. And it's not the same thing as the High Republic because you're still tied to, especially with season two, you're still tied into like the Clone Wars and the original trilogy and the Skywalker saga. But you have different directions you can go. And that is something that Star Wars needs because not everybody is going to love. If you are a multi-billion dollar company and you are creating stories and you're creating an era, if you have one thing that you're focused on, that's not going to connect with all your fans. However, if you have different things that different fans can connect with, then they're not hyper-focused on one thing. Exactly. And we all want diversity of content. And with the Investor Day announcement, you have not only the sequel trilogy era, you not only have the Lucas era of content, the prequel trilogy and original trilogy, but you have the Mandalorian era for the people who want that. So Definitely. Well, I do not know about you, But that was definitely a lot of fun looking back at 2020 and looking forward to 2021. Yeah, it was so much fun. I feel kind of energized and refreshed. I feel the same. I am so excited to the future. I'm also very drained because there was a lot of emotion. There are a lot of things I'm excited for, but also a lot of things that I'm happy to move on because 2020 was a year that was very draining, not only in the real world, but 2020 was the year after Trash. Even the people who love Trash, I'm sure, are drained because Trash, the sequel trilogy, yeah, that was five years. And 2020 was not only a new year for Star Wars content, but was a break. And now we're moving into a new direction and we needed that break. And obviously it's not the same break that we had before. Obviously you had a longer time period, but it was a respite and it recharges the fandom as we move into this new era with the High Republic and the Disney Plus shows, the Mandoverse, and the upcoming new films as well. Yep, I totally agree with you. Without further ado, that will conclude our main segment. 
It is now time for listener questions from our Discord. Our first series of questions come from Runewolf25. His first question is, what would you and Hammy consider to be your top five Star Wars moments of 2020? So my five Star Wars moments of 2020 are going to be kind of unique because I actually didn't consume a lot of Star Wars content during this year. So it's mostly going to be fandom related. But my top five would be that I got to write some more for What the Force. It's been a great source of joy to read other people's thoughts and to edit and to come up with my own articles. It's been really enjoyable. My second thing would be, this is kind of silly, but Raylo was named the number one ship for 2020 on Tumblr. And so for people who have been in the fandom for a long time or who have been Raylos for a long time, we've dealt with a lot of blowback from the fandom. So it was kind of nice and rewarding to know that the fandom has grown that large to be the number one ship across every fandom in the world when it just seemed kind of probably unlikely for those who were Raylos in 2015. My third thing would be, I had mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but in the rise of Kylo Ren, when Rey can sense Ben's fall, it's one of my favorite moments. And I think about it all the time. And it's kind of like my guiding light for the future of their relationship and their connection. Number four would be similar (laughs) in the Lego Star Wars holiday special. I just really loved the interactions between all the sequel trilogy characters. I love Rose, Finn, Poe, Rey. And then, of course, I loved when Rey acknowledged Ben in the special. So I love that. And then my number five thing would be fandom in general. I don't think I could have (laughs) survived after the rise of Skywalker without you and with other people that we know online to get us through the year. It was a tough year, like you mentioned, in person and then also in fandom. So it was probably one of my highlights for the year. My top five would be, starting with number five, the Krayt Dragon fight in Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, Admet Best back in Star Wars, and Jedi Temple Challenge, Order 66 and The Clone Wars Season 7 as my number three, My number two is the throne room scene in the Clone Wars Season 7, as I mentioned before. And my number one is the Investor Day call. All the announcements that came out of it, it was like D23 celebration, all packed into 30 minutes. It was very exciting, very explosive. It was something to really watch, and it really came at you really quick. It was nice to be excited about Star Wars again, and there was things there for everybody. There was a lot of things that I wasn't looking forward to, but there was also a lot of things I was looking forward to. And it was really quite a moment because we, as the fandom, we know what it's like. You know, I was at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago in 2019, which is at this point in time, almost two years ago. It seems kind of strange because I'm used to saying last year. We know what it's like. You know, we know what it was like when Ian McDermott came out for the Palpatine announcement, you know, that thrill. Now imagine that, but imagine that for multiple projects all in a half an hour. It was quite an experience, and I'm surprised some of us are still alive, to be honest. Yeah, it was really cool. And obviously with everything going on, they had to do it all virtually, so it was really well done. Moving on to his next question. His next question is, what kind of Star Wars projects would you like to be expecting in 2021? So basically, what projects would you like to see in 2021? I would love something surprise related to the sequel trilogy. There's not really much up on the calendar yet, but I know we're getting the graphic novel, the Rise of Skywalker graphic novel adaption. And I think we're getting some more Star Wars adventures, which are supposed to take place between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. So at least one thing that could like surprise me with the sequel trilogy would be what I would be excited for in 2021. For me, 
I would like to expect more projects away from the original trilogy. I get why so much content in the past five years, including the sequel trilogy itself, has been so centered on the original trilogy. But Star Wars needs to move forward, and The High Republic is a great example of Star Wars moving forward, and it needs to do more of it, in my opinion. I agree as well. Our next question comes from Rich Hodson, and his question is, if it wasn't Luke that arrived at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, which character would you most like it to have it been? I would have wanted it to be no one we knew. (laughs) Not really a surprise, but I would have loved either some kind of difference where we either meet another group of Mandalorians, or it could be that we find another Yoda species. Just something more surprising. Or I know some people were surprised to see Luke, but just anybody that we didn't know, another new character would have been my preference. When it was happening, I was hoping it wasn't going to be Luke just because of the OT fatigue that I have. So I was hoping for Cal just because I love him and I think he would fit. I know a lot of people would be sitting there wondering who he was, but it worked more than a lot of the other theaters running around. He would have been the most interesting to go with, but I get why they went with Luke. The Mandalorian is focused on being more mainstream. So they had to go with the safest pick, and that was Luke. Yep, I understand too. It just is disappointing for (laughs) fans like us, I think. (laughs) Our next question comes from Jay Rackpin, and he asks, Any chance of us seeing a Knights of the World Republic film on the big screen? I'm not sure if they would do that. I think anything's possible with Disney+. Plus. Like, who knows? We could get, like, a miniseries or something with Knights of the Old Republic. I think that would be really cool. I would love to see it because I own the video games, but I haven't actually played them, and I know the general story and stuff. So I would love for newer fans to be able to experience the story in a different way. For me, my answer would be no. I love the Knights of the Old Republic, but I want to see more original ideas. I think you can tell stories in that era, and I think that's fine. But I also think it would be better for them to go a new direction, just basically based on how the galaxy is set up in the High Republic. It's a little bit more, I don't want to use the word regress, but it makes a lot more logical sense in the progression of the galaxy that we get from the High Republic into the Star Wars era that we know, the original trilogy era and the Skywalker saga more so than it does from the Old Republic era. It's kind of like, it's hard to believe that technology is pretty much the same as it was 2,000 years ago, as it is now. So I would hope they would go in a new direction and kind of like change the setting and do a different story. That being said, I think the best thing you can do is remaster the video game. If you could even remake it and build it up from the ground up, basically telling the same story, still having the same character and stuff, but just remaster it, I think that is the way to go. Just because the story of the Knights of the Old Republic is so good in a video game, it's basically like, You know, you have those books that Lord of the Rings used to be like this, where that couldn't be made into the film just because they would never work as a film. And I think for me, that is Knights of the Old Republic. So I would like to see that story given to new people, but I don't think it being made into a film is the way to go. That makes sense. Also, like, if you were going to tell the same stories as we have seen before in Legends, why make Legends Legends? Yeah, exactly. I think it could be interesting to see if they could maybe pull things from that era. Like maybe we will after the High Republic, maybe we will see Old Republic things or even ancient things. 
you know, I always like the Force stuff. And so it would be cool to see some version of Revan and Bastila, like maybe a dyad from the past or something like that. I think they could pull a lot of it because I do love that they do that. I like that they take ideas from Legends and then create something new with it. So that would be really cool too. I agree. I just don't think there's any easy answers because if it's the same exact story, why did you hit the reset button and everything? If you pick and choose, that is a dangerous pathway to go. Like if you could be like, okay, let's do a Republic is canon, then you have to make sure it fits. And then it opens up the door, like, why isn't this canon? You know, and then you're pay checking. And it's just, it's just, it's a messy way to go down. If you're telling the same story that lacks originality, if you tell the same story, but if you change things, then it really loses some of the essence that it has. And it just kind of like cheapens it. It's kind of like if you brought Mara Jade into canon. Like, obviously, Mara Jade is more than Luke Skywalker. I get that. But her story is so tied into the interaction that she has with Luke. And a lot of her post-Return of the Jedi story is so intertwined in things that are not in canon that if she was brought into canon, would it really be the same? And it's kind of like, well, another frustration that I have. I'm shy. But one of the frustrations that I have with The Rise of Skywalker is, I think it's like in a reference book or something, but the rule two is the Sith trying to recreate the dyad, which is not the way the Sith were created in Legends. So if you tell the story of Bane in Legends, you have to incorporate what you know from canon, and then it's not quite the same story. So it's like, it might be better, it might be worse, but it's not the same, and it just doesn't, it's not right. So it's really hard, it's not an easy answer. Now, if it was all canon, you know, then maybe it would be easier to do, but it just... It's so complex that I think people who want these films, there's just no easy way to do it because no matter what you do, it's going to have some sort of problems. It it could be the best Star Wars film of all time, but it's not going to be the same. Right. And it's hard to please everyone, especially with an adaption. And I think many of us for Star Wars, we don't want adaptions. Like we want original stories. It's one of the few franchises where like we don't know what's going to happen, right? There's no books or comics that it's based on. So it would be nice to like continue in that vein. So that is why, and I love Knights of the Old Republic, that is why I think the answer is a remaster. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool for all of us, for all of the new fans too. Exactly. And I I don't know, you could like tweak it or something. I don't know if you could, but then you're picking and shooting into canon. But I think if you remade it and remastered it, because in a video game world, re-releases and remasters are a thing. I mean, Podracer, Jedi Academy, and Jedi Outcast were both re-released and, like, touched up a little bit in the graphics. But I think the best thing to do with Knights of the Old Republic, I don't know if you are a gamer or whatever, is to go the Final Fantasy VII route. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I do know about that. I haven't played, but yes, I do know. So, same story, but built from the ground up. Right, right. So, same game and everything, but yeah, so. Sorry, listeners, I am very passionate that it's, there's a lot I have to say about Knights of the Old Republic. It's a very good question. Mm-hmm. Our last question comes from Holland7, and his question is, The High Republic, what are your expectations, hope, ways, theories? What are your thoughts in general about the High Republic? So I actually don't know much. So if I'm saying something that's totally wrong and you know the answer already, sorry. but. I guess in general, I'll keep things general. My general hope is that they actually kind of tackle, they don't have to directly reference, obviously, the events of the Skywalker saga, that we're able to kind of pick up on themes or ideas with the way that the Jedi are, maybe some of their hubris, 
that we can kind of see the path that they're heading down, that they're heading towards the fall of the Jedi. I think that's kind of my hopes, that they don't need to be heavy-handed with the references or you know, that kind of thing, but that we can still kind of gain new thematic understandings from the High Republic and that it can be its own separate thing, independent of that. And I do hope, because um, from what I've heard about Light of the Jedi, I've heard that the Jedi are kind of cardboard cutouts in terms of heroics and that kind of thing. So I hope that as we get more books, that they're taken down a notch a little bit. <laughs> for me, when it comes to the High Republic, there's a lot I can say about it. I am very excited for it. I want it to stand on its own. I don't want it to become this thing that does stand on its own, but then you're tied into, like, obviously Yoda is there, but and obviously this is not going to happen, but I don't want it to become about Yoda. I don't want it to become about Tatooine. I don't want it to become about things that we already... Obviously, Coruscant, you're going to have Coruscant. This is not so much a spoiler, but you do see Naboo a little bit in Light of the Jedi, but it's not the main focus. Obviously, you have ancestors. You have the Tekka clan, which is obviously has ties to the Force Awakens. You have a ancestor of Santa Stalos, but it's not like heavy-handed. It's not so tied in and focused. It's just little ties, which is perfect. I would like to see it be its own heir for it to stand on its own, but also be the source of other bigger things in Star Wars. Like, I would love to see a High Republic video game. That would be awesome. I would love for it to inspire a film or two, or maybe even a whole trilogy. But I think that is something that you need to give it time to explore. Basically, I want it to... Obviously, it's not the same, but if you look at the Star Wars community... Even now, or 10 years ago, the High Republic, I would love to see it have that value in the community, where it's its own thing, where it's not tied to the mainstream Star Wars that stands on its own, that has its own fan base, that has its own group of cosplayers, but go to the next level that the Old Republic, at this point in time, never went to, and that is the mainstream. Obviously, you have the Old Republic video games, but that was different because of how canon was set up and stuff like that, and video game nowadays is more like an event. Like, if you look at Jedi Fallen Order, that was an event release. With Leslie Nelson TV show taking place at the end, I think it's, it takes place at the end of the High Republic, but I think it's going to be more tied into the prequel trilogy, more of a prequel to the prequel trilogy than the conclusion of the High Republic. So it'd be nice to have a High Republic air TV show, you know, for it to inspire project. Because Kathleen Kennedy said that one of the issues that they were having is they didn't have a lot of material to draw from. And now that, that upsets a lot of people because you had Legends, but if you're specifically looking at the work of Lucas himself, because at the end of the day, it was Lucas's canon up until he sold it, and basically it was all his word. If he was to tell any story, he was going to go his own direction. So when Kathleen Kennedy said that, she was talking specifically about the Lucas canon. There's not a lot there else that has a film in the Clone Wars. So if you're trying to tell a story from scratch, you need to create material. You need to create something to draw influence from later. And I think that is what the High Republic is going to be. It's going to be the source of future storytelling. You know, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we might have a trilogy that is going to be an event. But I think they wanted to create their own mythology and draw from it because I love Legends, don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to upset people who love Legends, but they were never going to tell those stories because at the end of the day, those were not George's stories. Right. And I think it does give them a bit of independence because people aren't fact checking them. You know, they're able to just have kind of creative freedom with this whole new era. So I hope for similar independence as well. 
I also hope that they stay committed to it. Yes, seriously. <laughs> I would expect phase one to do fairly well, and there's going to be a drop-off, obviously, because it's like with comics. The fish, uh, the fish issue usually sells very well, and, it, you know, it drops off. That's just how it comes. I just hope that when, you know, it does drop off a little bit, Lucasfilm, Delve, Disney Press doesn't be like, okay, we're done. It's like, okay, we're committing to this. We're going to tell all three phases, and then we'll reassess where we're at to decide where to go from here. You know, let it have some time to breathe. Let it grow. Like, maybe book five doesn't sell so well, but stick with it. You know, stay committed. Let it grow. And as I said, even if it doesn't sell well at the time when it comes out, you are still creating mythology and things to draw from later. Yes, totally agree. Especially like with Star Wars, I hope that, I, I mean, I'm sure they know this, but I just hope they really realize it, that it just takes time for fans to like ingest Star Wars. And I love that about it. It's not, you know, the fast food of franchises. People are still talking about The Last Jedi and it released three years ago. So I hope they don't get cold feet and kind of pull back without giving this a chance to actually like build its fan base. A lot of people who love Legends... I think forget that that did not happen overnight. Like, obviously, you had Star Wars stories before the Thrawn trilogy. It took time to get to where Legends were to the point that it's reflective of the passion that people have for Legends. Like, it takes time to build. You know, people were expecting the canon to be at the same level that Legends was at with the sequel trilogy and the stories that were coming up there. That was never going to happen. For me, it was a more let's wait and see. Let's give them at least 10 years for them to build that. And I would expect fans to be patient because it does take time, as you said. It's all about building blocks and building upon those blocks because I think where we're going to be in 10 years from now or even five years from now, I think the fandom, if they would be more patient, would be really surprised because there are more stories being told. They are doing more things than what they did in the Legends era. Like, at this point in time, Compared to the Legends time frame, it would be the prequel trilogy isn't even out yet. So if we were to compare the Legends timeline with the canon timeline, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, no, it totally does. I think people are really going to be surprised where we are at in 2030. Definitely. I hope so. <laughs> but that will do it for listener questions. We had a lot to say. Thank you so much for submitting questions. If you listener would like to have your questions featured on our show please consider joining our discord channel and look for the post asking for questions when we record next links to join our discord will be down in the show notes down below that will conclude our main show but before we get out of here we would like to take this time to thank our patrons thank you austin bill gladwin james josh lanza mike nathan and jay clinker Peter, Scene, Sean, Taylor, and Will. We could not do what we do without your support. That will wrap up this episode of Ivy Bell. Coming up next, we'll be diving into one of not only the best stories in all of Star Wars, but also one of the best Star Wars video games of all time. No, we are not doing another episode on Jedi Fallen Order. Instead, it will be the OG story those statements apply to, long before Jedi Fallen Order. The legendary, the iconic, the OG, Knights of the Old Republic. Thank you, Hammy, for coming on to a special 2020 year-end episode. As always, I had a lot of fun, 
and I look forward to having you back on again sometime soon. Thank you for having me on. And this really was very healing to go purge 2020 and move forward into 2021. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on here. Of course, you are always welcome to come on. If you want to talk about anything, just let me know. And I will definitely get together with you. Like I know you said you're going to dive into some legend things. And if you do do that, I think it's best to do that when it's in the freshest in your mind. So even if it's not on my schedule or whatever, we can definitely record. And I can always post that episode later because I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on some things that are in Legends that you are experiencing for the first time. And I, I will always make time to record with you because it's best to get those thoughts and reactions out of your head before you experience other things and the context change a little bit, if that makes any sense. No, definitely. I would love to do that. If people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they find you? So on Twitter, I am at Balanced Padawan. You can come and I'm on there way too much. And then I'm also one of the editors for What the Force's website, where we post articles every Tuesday. The website is whattheforce.ca. And you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. That concludes this episode of Ari Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I have been Jedi Geek Girl. Jedi Geek Girl, out. This has been Ivy Bell, a Star Wars podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at ivybelldesney at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you. Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.